Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C and I am recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Today is Friday, April 17th, 2020, and today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 151, the second paragraph, which begins with, The Less People Tolerated Us. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Teresa A., The Twelve Tradition, Tenson P., and the readers of the text are Katie G., Judy K., and Susan H. The reference number for yesterday, which was April 16th, are as follows. Thursday, yeah, the 16th, 7 a.m. meeting was 14,452, 14452, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 14,453, 14453. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose is this. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And now I'm going to ask Teresa A. to read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning, all. This is Teresa A. Recovered in Maryland. The 12 steps. One. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Okay. Thank you, Teresa A. Really appreciate that. And now, Tenson P. is going to do the 12 traditions. Good morning, Tenson. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Tenzan checking in from New York City. Uh, the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively eating. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day, be safe and well. Thank you, Tenson P. And now, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that, keep, that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. 
we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 151, the second paragraph that begins with the less people tolerated us. And waiting to read that for us is Katie G. from Boston. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Penny. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic, and Bulimic, and I'm in Boston. The less people tolerated us, the more we withdrew from society, from life itself. As we became subjects of king alcohol, shivering denizens of his mad realm, the chilling vapor that is loneliness settled down. It thickened, becoming ever blacker. Some of us sought out sordid places, hoping to find understanding, companionship, and approval. Momentarily we did. Then would come oblivion and the awful awakening to face the four horsemen, terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. Unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. You know, I think it's so interesting so we're in this chapter of vision for you and what's the purpose? Well, the purpose is to tell us how we got out from under, right? To paint, paint a vision, aware, an awareness, a lovely um, demonstration of how to recover, right? So this first paragraph is talking about what I'm seeking, right? I want joyous intimacy. I want freedom from care, boredom, and, and then and, and worry, and what happens to me? I become a subject of king anorexia and bulimia. I become, I worship at the, at the um, I'm a tenant, I'm held hostage in, in the realm of the, of the food scale, of the body scale, right? And I can't get out from under. And the, and the chilling vapor, which is a vapor, did you know vapor is a nervous condition? So this gravely disturbing nervous condition, the loneliness settles in, hey, Disease is not outside in the parking lot doing push-ups, friends. This is again telling me the disease is inside me and it's getting worse, right? And so, and it's getting worse, the, inside, the loneliness. And then momentarily, I may find a sense of ease and comfort, right? Companionship and approval. Momentarily, you know, the, the blockage might be gone, right? And then oblivion and I wake up and terror not just fear, friends, terror, bewilderment. I'm lost. I'm aggravated, and I have no hope, right? Unhappy eaters, if you're in relapse and you're waking up, you understand. You know. You know this is where you are right now, right? Like, how did I do this? I thought I was recovered. I'm back in the food, and I'm afraid. I'm terrorized. I'm confused. I'm lonely, and I am so angry because I keep going back to the food and the anorexia and the behaviors over and over again, and I cannot Stop, right? I just want a sense of ease and comfort. I just want to feel like I belong, right? But for me, I just kept lowering my standards. I had values and morals, and I kept lowering my standards to, to, 
to fit into my skin. And the promise that I hold for you today as a recovered woman, right, is that I'm recovered today, just for today, based on what? On my spiritual condition. What does that mean? It means continuing to practice entire abstinence. It means being structured and disciplined. I'm a naturally undisciplined woman, right? But if I do not have integrity with my food and my step work, this is where I will be again, if I'm lucky. This is where I will be, this horrible cycle of going after the intimacy again, looking in food and anorexia and behaviors as my solution and not finding them and getting worse and sicker and sicker. You don't have to suffer today. Hold on to your seats. We have a vision for you, and we will tell you how we got there and how we stay there through entire abstinence and rigorous work of these steps each and every day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And now I'm going to take some people's names for shares, but first I'd like to remind us that we value everyone's experience, yet we ask that you limit the frequency of your sharing to every third day so that everybody who would like to, especially newcomers, can share with us. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Linda D. Judy K. Melissa G. All right, who else? Marge O. Sandy S. Who was after Marge O? Sandy S. Sandy S or F? S is in Sandy. S is in Sandy. Okay, thank you. Okay, let's go with those folks. We have Linda D., Judy K., Melissa G., Maj O and Sandy S. And uh, Linda, your turn. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. in Connecticut, and I'm thrilled and so, so grateful to be recovered. Wow. That's what I just said when I heard the last share. Wow. I said it so loud, they heard it in Boston. Because that's the truth. That's the truth that I lived. And I'm uh, 76 years old now, so I think I have enough experience to know what it is to self-destruct and not even know that's what's happening. I think uh, the line about uh, it's not, I'm not, uh, the disease is not out in the parking lot doing push-ups, which is, you know, a cliche in every 12-step program. Uh, But I believed that, and, and that's not true. That's so not true. It is inside. It is in my physical condition, which is not going to change. It's genetic. It's brain chemistry. And it's with my thinking. The part that I didn't have any idea about was that this is a disease. This is not a a luxury um, addiction. This is not high-end. This is just as virulent as uh, COVID-19, or 9, whatever it's called. Um, This is uh, deadly, and um, my thinking has to be changed. And I was an atheist, so God or a higher power really had to show up. And because I did do the work, and do do the work, it's uh, many, many, many years later, and um, I have the joy of living. That's what I wanted the intimacy. I wanted the closeness. I wanted to be loved. 
I wanted to be safe. And I didn't even have words for that. I was very little. But now I know I'm loved and I'm safe because that's what's inside of me that I didn't know, that I had a soul and that that was the GPS. And I had to learn that it was there and how to listen to it and have it guide me or he or she. So I'm so, so grateful to be alive, to be well, and to have the joy of living very, very often, not always, but very often I feel safe. And I'm so grateful to all of you for your part of it. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. Judy Kay. Hi, can you hear me? I sure can. Go ahead, Judy. Great. Thanks. This is Judy Kay, recovered by God's grace in, in uh, North Carolina. And, and wow and wow indeed. Uh, the last paragraph in this one dramatized the pro- pro- progressive nature of our disease. You know, we start out, quote, normal and realize we're not. <laughs> and we keep trying to enjoy an old kick we might have gotten while uh, yearning for this miracle of control. As a kid, I couldn't understand the alcoholic and hated the shaming as people who didn't understand, wouldn't tolerate um, his disease. He'd get locked up if he appeared, you know, he appeared mentally ill at times. Uh, Alcohol for some and for me, food became my master as I got older. Until I became so unhappy, I'd try anything to stop eating compulsively. The substance consumed my mind the more I consumed the substance. Today, I am so grateful for the recovery. I am so grateful for this meeting. There is so much recovery here. Um, All I could say is wow to, to the people who get on this line and share their um, strength and their hope. And um, with that, I'm going to say, everybody have a wonderful day. Um, this is a wonderful program, and this meeting has helped me to find recovery. Uh, thanks. I'll pass. Thank you, Judy Kay. Melissa G., are you there? Melissa? Oh, hi. Sorry. Hi. Melissa G. Um, St. Clair, Michigan. Um, thank you for letting me share and thank you for your service. Um, I read this this morning before um, the meeting uh, and what stuck out to me is the last line where it says terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. And, you know, I think about all the times that in the past I would lose you know, all the way in, I would be like, okay, this time I'm never going back to how I was before, and, you know, everything's going to be different, and then months, two months, three months down the line, I would just look at myself and be right back in that dark place that I was, that I swore I was never going back to, and that's because I wasn't working a program of recovery. I was trying to control something that me as a human cannot control and that I've learned in my short time in this program that I just need to turn it over and stop trying to do it on my own. Um, I just, I think of, you know, there's so much in this 
one little paragraph where it just talks about how dark and isolated and lots away from the world I was, I didn't know how to be a part of the world because I was so shameful of myself that I just figured why would anybody want me in the world. Um, for today, I have a new hope, and it comes through actually working this program and not just saying I want to work it, but embodying it in my life. And it could not be possible without this meeting and all of you and my God. So thank you so much, and have a beautiful day. Thank you, Melissa G. And now Marge O. Good morning. Marge O. Good morning. Thank you. This is Majo, recovered in Walpole, Massachusetts. It's a little cold today, but and I'm sitting in the car. My husband's in getting a radiation treatment. And I read this chapter before I left the house. I had a few minutes. And I thought, good grief. There it is. That's where I lived with the four horsemen for so many years. And I am 74 years old, soon to be 75 this year. And the relief I feel, along with the gratitude that I feel, is beyond measure. To not be a subject of king food, imagine. Not to be caught up in the overeating. Not to be caught up in, can I have a little bit of that? Oh, probably, because I haven't had that in three years, so I must be able to have that. Although I never did go three years without my junk food before program. And then to move into visions a little later in life and things are even better. Um, And mostly it's for me, it's that willingness to be thankful and grateful each day, one day at a time. My higher power and I just go through things together. We start the day off together. We end it together. And in between, there's people that... Um, I talk to, I'm not seeing many people because we're really basically not going out except for medical appointments, but there's people to talk to and people to be so grateful that I can pick up the phone and just call them and say, hello, today's a little bit of a rough day or today there was good news. So again, I like everybody else want to thank you all for listening and thank you to everybody that's doing service today. That I pass. Hi, good to hear you, my Joe. Thank you. And Sandy S is next. Hi, this is Sandy S from recovered from Asheville, North Carolina. And just looking at the first line, the less people tolerated us, the more we withdrew from society, from life itself. I'm one of the few people that the less people tolerated me, the more I ran after them. Um, I was just not an isolator type. I was, you know, like we talk about anorexia and binging. I was the type that I was just like desperate for the food. I was, I mean, that, that was the only thing that soothed me. I was desperate, even at the worst of my illness, for someone to rescue me. I just thought some other person had the answer. And I did live in a mad realm of terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. And a lot of times I still live in that realm. The only difference is how I 
deal with things when I'm in that realm? What do I do when I'm in terror? I am learning now not to search out other people to rescue me, you know, to do a 10th step. But really, at the end of the 10th step, I get quiet and I ask God, what would you have me be? And just really turn within myself because that's where my higher power lies. It's the healthy voice within me that I need access to. And, and in that moment to tell the truth, yes, I'm terrified. Yes, I don't know what to do. Yes, I'm irritable. Yes, I am feeling hopeless. And God, show me what is the next right step. You know, what is, and usually it's, it's to really be honest about what I'm experiencing and to trust I'll get an answer and, and, and then just do the next right thing in the now. I mean, that's where the surrender is. For me, I have to take these abstract words like surrender, trust, honesty, and make them very real, very concrete. So what is the next thing I have to do, Sandy? And for me this morning, the next thing I felt I had to do was to share. And honestly, I had no idea what I was going to share on this paragraph. I didn't really resonate with it that much. I resonate more with really trying to focus on the solution rather than the pain of the problem. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy. God knew what you were going to share. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's time that I'm going to be asking for another group. But before I do that, let me remind everyone that what we're reading today and sharing on is the second paragraph on page 151 of the big book that begins with the less people tolerated us. Who else would like to share on that? Janet E. Janet E. Harlan G. Harlan. Okay. Anyone else want to get in that queue? Let's go right to Janet E. Then from Ecuador. Buenos dias. Buenos dias, Penny. Thank you for your service. Hi, everyone. Janet E. Recovered in Ecuador. Um, I love this paragraph, and it's so. I I have to read these these words um, because I cannot forget what it felt like. Um, what it felt like to be absolutely beaten down by this disease and this, the descriptive language he uses, the chilling vapor that is loneliness. I mean, that just guts me because that was just about every morning waking up and then remembering, okay, okay, what, what, for about two seconds, I'm okay. And then I remember, oh, what did I do the night before? What did I eat? Well, okay. Well, now the whole day's shot because, you know, and back in it was just no, no sense of hope. I mean, stuck in a trap, I couldn't spring because I didn't have power, but I didn't know that, had no idea um, that I was absolutely powerless. So I was, um, I became a subject of King fill in the blank, restricting bulimia, anorexia, overexercising, overeating, sugar, whatever. I became subject, so I, I didn't have any more power. I was just completely powerless. And, you know, these words are so strong, terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair, and all of that, um, of course, I know. Um, so 
what I'm so thankful for is just to go back into this within the context of, hey, um, we've got a way out. We're going to show you what it is in this amazing chapter. And but but let's go back and review where were you, because as I have this gift of recovery, you know, and I'm, and I'm blessed with neutrality, I can forget. And that's the gift of working with sponsees, too, because some are going to are going to get it and some aren't. And you're, I'm going to get to to hear and be up close and personal with people who who are still suffering. And that's so important because I can't forget um, where I came from and what happened and the incredible gift I was given. And um, so it's definitely my job to pass it on. So great to be here and sharing this morning and um, everybody stay safe. I'll pass. Thank you, Janet E. And Holland, it's your turn. Thank you, Penny, and thank you for to Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, I was an unrecovered person. A person who, from the time he was two, three years old, was given a signal by the world that I was born into. And the signal is, you're unacceptable. You're unacceptable, little boy. You're fatter than the other kids. If you were dumber than the other kids or smarter than the other kids or you were somehow blind or deaf or handicapped in some other way, we would embrace you and we would accept you. But you're a fat boy. And that means we're going to scream at you and we're going to physically assault you. We're going to slap your stomach. We're going to make it so that you don't go on your first date with a girl till you're 35 years of age. You're going to go into life looking different than the other kids. If you were a drug addict or an alcoholic, you'd have a different hell. But the hell of the food is a hell of separation. The hell of the food is a hell that means that forever in the disease, you will feel unlike the people around you, different, not in a good way. On more than one occasion, I have had people walk up to me and verbally abuse me because of my weight, and I didn't even know them. On more than one occasion, I've had people come up and slap my stomach and ask me when the baby hippo was due. On more than one occasion, I have driven cars without insurance because I had a choice. I could either buy Kit Kats and Oreo cookies or pay for my insurance and the Kit Kats and the Oreo cookies won out. I am truly a denizen. I am a slave to food. Food was the king. I was its slave. To be able to live free and to live free happily, to live free happily and joyously is the greatest gift that you can give a human being. And only God could have given me that gift. And that's only achievable through the steps. Now, the saddest part of this story is that not only will I eat again if I don't do the steps, I will eat again because I will feel that food is a step up from how it feels not to eat if I'm not working the steps. 
And so this is a disease of pain and misery, of terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. And with that, I will pass. But the, the recovery is the most joyous, the most wonderful thing imaginable. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Penny. Thank you very much, Holland. Okay, who else would like to share now? Lisa J. Lisa J. Leslie K. Leslie K. Sally A. Sally A. And someone else after Sally. Trina S. Trina. Virginia N. Virginia. Ramona A. Stop there. I'm going to stop with Virginia. So here we here's who we have: Lisa J. Leslie K. Sally A. Trina. And Virginia, and please give me the initial of your last name when you speak. Lisa J., it's your turn. Good morning. Thank you for your service, everybody, and thank you for the shares. This is Lisa J., gratefully recovered for this 24 hours. And the word that catches my breath is bewilderment. I'm confused and I'm puzzled. Why doesn't food make me feel good? How come I can't feel as good about myself as I feel in that 10 seconds when I rip open that package and tear into that that thing that um, I am, the shivering denizen in this mad realm of king food? And the chilling vapor of loneliness that sets down, as was so aptly described, is separation. I'm separated from God. I'm separated from others because I don't feel good enough. I don't want to share after Harlan because I don't feel like I have anything as valuable as what he shares. And and so often I feel that way with life. And so that's what drives me to the food, that I don't feel like I'm enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not pretty enough. And then that chilling vapor of loneliness settles down because I'm not okay the way I am. And this book, Walking Through These Steps, takes away that feeling of guilt and shame, the things that I can't live with that I ate over. And it gives me a very practical way of realizing that I'm powerless over some things. And it makes my life unmanageable to try to recapture a feeling, um, a feeling that I got from food, a feeling that I got from being accepted. I want to feel safe and secure. And sometimes I just don't get that promise in this life. I might not feel safe and secure, but I know I am safe and secure when I'm connected to this power that's greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. Because when I'm connected to that power, there's nothing that can stop me. I am accepted by God. I am important. I am enough. And everything I don't have to serve the people and to serve my God, I get through connecting with God through these 12 steps. So I'm really grateful to be here today. Thank you. I'll pass. Thanks, Leslie. Um, excuse me, Lisa J. Leslie K. is next. Hi, I'm Leslie K. I'm a compulsive overeater here in the UK. And um, what I'd like to say is that my food addiction, my overeating, hasn't taken me to the level of despair as described in that paragraph to the loneliness and the shivering denison. Because for years I have controlled my eating with diets. Um, 
18 months ago, I came into the food program. And because I still had the illusion that I had some control over the food, I kept lapsing. I'd get a few good weeks and then I'd lapse, etc. But I'm back on step one and I should finish step one today sometime with my sponsor. And I'm just um, at the end of the chapter more about alcoholism where it talks about Fred. He had only felt the first nip of the ringer. And for me, that's how it kind of is with the food a bit. It's, it's beyond the first nip of the ringer, but it hasn't reached the levels um, as described um, in that paragraph. And what I want to say is I don't want it to have to reach that. I can learn early. I don't want to have those yet. So it's really good to have be able to be part of this group and listen to those more experienced in the food to help me from going down into that bitter morass of self-pity and despair. Um, more than I am, I know that I have character defects and I know that some of those character defects are self-pity. Um, there's lots more too, but we haven't got time for that today. I've been... Um, I've been in the fellowship a long time in another fellowship, so I so I know the book quite well and I know the program quite well, but the food has been tricky for me. And I'm really glad because I'm at the place now where I'm willing. I've made that decision that I'm going to work this program. I have made that decision and I will be uh, using my steps daily. Thanks for being there. Thank you all. Thanks, Leslie Kay. Sally A, good morning. Good morning, moderator. Hi, this is Sally A from New Jersey. Um, king alcohol. For me, it was king cake, king pizza, king chocolate, um, all those comfort foods that I have become a subject to um, my whole life, pretty much. And, you know, despair, you know, that was my biggest feeling in life, you know, despair, loneliness, um, eating I thought was solving that problem, you know, it, it, and it did, it did for a while as a child or a young person. Um, it felt like it did and then it didn't. And um, so it, it was kind of like a hamster wheel, you know, I would eat, I would be lonely and then I would, Oh, I'd be lonely. Then I'd eat, then I would be lonely and then I would eat and it, it would just continue. It just never seemed to uh, solve the problem it actually made it worse. And, and I could see why they say about the terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. Um, I'm just gratefully, you know, recovering a day at a time during this pandemic, which I never thought in my wildest dreams I'd, I'd recover during a pandemic. Uh, I didn't think it was at all possible. And, and it's not, it's like, it's, it's definitely God. It cannot be me, um, especially during this time. But I literally am taking it one day at a time and I know this is why they say that in program, like the old me would have risked her life and went out to the store because we all know where to go to get our heroin, you know. I would have went to whatever store was open to get my stuff, risking my life, you know, not caring that I might get this virus. And as long as I get my fix, you know, I'm so grateful that that's not me today, you know, that I know I see the bigger picture. I didn't see the bigger picture before. And uh, good luck to everyone, and that's all I have. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Sally A. Trina, it's time for you. Good 
Good morning. There you go. I'm not sure if I um, I know how to use this uh, phone properly to do this. So uh, just bear with me if it unmutes. Go ahead. Uh, You're right now. Go ahead. What was the name of the? What was the number of the page? Because I'm going through the whole book and I'm trying to find the paragraph. Fifty-one, the second paragraph. The less people tolerated us. Oh, okay. Um. Well, I mean, um. It sounds like people are sharing about loneliness and despair uh, or how they were. For me, um, my story is that I was athletic. I was fit when I was young. I didn't grow up um, overweight, but it's only been lately. And I find I'm, uh, uh, I'm familiar with the, with the big book because I'm in another program and I'm trying to get into this program. I'm trying to work my steps. Um, I'm trying to find tools every day to help me to um, have a, have a good foundation. So I don't break my abstinence. Um, It's a, it's a big deal. I write down my plan of eating and, and I, I, I do my AEIOU and I join zoom meetings uh, I find I'm doing a lot of action, but I guess I'm not doing enough of the um, the meditation or the internal dialogue. I have to talk to the higher power, I suppose. Um, so I'm trying to get um, get internally stronger, but I'm also trying to reach out and connect with people uh, and find people to talk to. So this is all, uh, I have to be patient with the process. I know that. Um, and forgiving of my, <laughs> the past that I had, uh, res- um, like um, when I do my list of resentments and uh, to get over my fears, I suppose, from my past when I did my fourth step. Because I did a fourth step last year and fear came up a lot with the OA. So I'm just, to praying and working and um, I'm glad to be here and I, I thank you. I really listened to a lot of the vision, I mean a few of the vision for you and I find it very, very, very helpful. So I wanted to say thank you. Okay, yes, Trina, before you. you the initial of your last name, please. S. S as in Sam? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, Trina. And now we have Virginia. Um, hi, this is Virginia N. in Southwest Virginia, and um, I, I'm really happy to read this. Oh, I don't know Hold on, Virginia? Yes? I'm, I'm hearing some background noise. For I think it's from your phone. Um, I, I'm here by myself, and I don't hey. know if it, Okay, it good me? now. Thank you. Maybe it was someone else. Okay, I'm really happy to read this paragraph this morning because it really helped me remember where I was and um, it sure isn't a good feeling. Um, I could really relate to withdrawing and um, feeling so lonely and um, lowering my standards and being, you know, in sordid places, doing inappropriate things to end up with my fix, which is food. And, um, And the despair and the bewilderment, the frustration. And for so long, the food didn't work for me, but I didn't know what else to do. 
And I'm so grateful to have found the program and have been finally willing to do all the steps and be honest and thorough. And I'm just in such a good place right now. And um, I can't, yeah, I'm just very grateful. And um, it's interesting, someone brought up about this virus, and I think that if I was still in my disease, this would be like an extended snow day that lasted for weeks. And I just can't imagine not having my program and being spiritually fit. It it would be a nightmare what I would be eating. And I would. I would be going out and um, getting my fix. And I'm so glad that I'm not there anymore. And I just have to keep doing the work and and talking with my higher power because definitely my disease wants me to forget that I felt like this like this paragraph just describes, it would love for me to get back in the food, and I just don't want to go back there. So thanks for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Virginia. And now we're going to take some more names. I believe we have time for at least three more people. Who would like to share? Erin from Boston. Erin? Yes, from Boston. Hey. Anna C. Hannah? Shanna C. from Sarasota. Okay, I just didn't spell your first name, if you would. Yes, ma'am. It's S as in Sam. Yeah. H-A-N-N-A. Oh, okay, Shanna, thank you. And someone else? Crystal P. Krista? Crystal. Crystal P, is it? Okay. All right. Erin, and your initial of your last name when you share, please. It's Erin M. Um, and from, I'm from north of Boston, actually. I don't live in Boston. It's 10 miles north. Uh, and I just love this paragraph because I, I've actually been really sick. And I've been in and out of ICU and in the hospital for a month now. I've just spent... Um, almost three weeks in either ICU or ER or inpatient. So I thought I knew loneliness before, but lying in a bed, when no one, I couldn't move a muscle and no one would turn the light on, so I didn't know whether it was dark or day or night, and I was also having delirium. So I found that I have never in my life been so close to God. I felt him actually in my presence, and when I would ask him questions like, I mean, I can't, I just thought I was dying. I said, God, do dogs go to heaven because I like animals better than people and I have a little dog. I said, I can't leave this world without my baby. And I heard distinctly, Aaron, all dogs go to heaven. And it's a movie. I didn't even know that. My husband put it on for me when, we, when I got home finally. But also the part about the hideous four horsemen. My entire, I've been around these halls for, I'm 54, but my first, meeting I went to was 15 years old when I took my dad. He was going to get kicked out of the house of being an alcoholic, and I went with him. I took him because I was afraid he was going to leave us, and my mom was a food addict, and I'd take him any day of the week, even though he's a severe alcoholic. But every time I hear the word hideous four horsemen, I have an image in my head of four Ku Klux Klan members with the hoods on, carrying a flame, and the four horses are coming at me. I'm terrified of the Ku Klux Klan, even though I'm not I'm, I'm I'm a Caucasian person. I'm, they scare the crap. I'm sorry. I, I can't filter myself very well right now. 
but I see them riding toward me, and I'm running as fast as I can. I turn around, and even the horses have masks on, and one's carrying a big cross, and the other one's carrying a flame, and they're chasing me, and I'm running as fast as I can because I'm, uh, I am someone who has severe social anxiety and, um, and also uh, um, I can take a lot of pain. I can actually had the corona test. If anyone's ever had it, it feels like you are stabbed in the brain with the longest needle, and it goes, it feels like it goes from your nose all the way into your brain. It's so long, and it's not a Q-tip bend. It's like a toothpick end. And anyway, uh, so I can take a lot of pain. So for me to surrender, I have to be basically uh, bashed in, and I still won't surrender. But I don't know if I'm making sense because... Um, some of my short-term memory is gone right now, but I've been sober for 22 years, and I've been. Yeah, so my time must be up. I don't. I'm. I'm just gonna say that. Um, the bad. You know, the only way I was told my first time I went to an AA meeting and treatment, a guy named Smitty, who's Smitty, who's been around 100 years, he said, Aaron, every time you get into the ring with the food, it's going to kick your ass. Only way to win is stay out of the ring, but somehow, like everyone, it, it, it is time. Really happy that you're able to share with us this morning, but it's time, okay? Thank you very much. Blessings. Yeah, God bless. Okay, next is Shanna C. Hello, can you hear me? I'm sorry, can you please tell us where we read? We were on page 151, the second paragraph, the less people tolerated us. Thank you. Uh, hi, this is Shanna. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, great. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody who shared. Thank you for your service to those who read and grateful to be uh, recovered. And on this meeting today, um, one of the things that has really helped me uh, understand the, the, the context of what is being said, as the previous sentence before the beginning of the, the paragraph that we just read, there was always one more attempt and one more failure. And it says the less people tolerated us, the more we withdrew from society and from life itself. And getting down to causes and conditions for me, I could see the vicious cycle of of the, trying to gain more control over the food, and then if I can just fix this, then the more pe- people will accept me, and then I won't hurt, and then the more I tried to control my food, the more I said that this and all of these different measures, my best thinking at that time taught me that if I could just fix myself, then then I will have that ease and comfort, that sense of um, understanding, companionship, and approval. And I just could not do it. And what ended up happening is ended up driving the people away that I desperately wanted that understanding, companionship, and approval from because of my desire to control and fix. And that resulted in people tolerating me less and less and less. And then I withdrew from society and from life itself. And the only thing that would bring that momentary comfort was that 
you know, that, that food fix and then the hope that, you know what, tomorrow's going to be a better day. I'm going to control this. And it was just absolutely insane. I could not do it. Um, and so grateful that uh, we had just gotten through reading, working with others. And it, there's a part that in working with others just keeps coming to my mind that says, remind your prospect that you can, you can recover regardless of anyone. Only requirement is that he trusts in God and clean house. And I'm very, very grateful that when I got to that point um, that you guys were here um, and I was at that point. It was a Sunday morning. I'd gotten on a special editions and I heard someone sharing and I was literally at that point. I was like, I have absolutely no idea what else to do. I have no solution. I have tried this many, many times, but there was something that clicked inside of me where I, I was just absolutely done. And I could not imagine life with or without food. And I, I, I didn't know what to do. And I was so grateful you guys were here and I got the help that I needed. And I was taken through these steps and, um, and gratefully recovered today and able to, to share my experience and, and be a usefulness to others. And I never would have imagined that it would happen where that part in the book where early on where it says we've recovered and been given the power to help others. And in helping others, I'm able to, I'm finally given that feeling of understanding, companionship, and approval through this fellowship, connection with my higher power through these steps, and a way of living that really works and rough going um, a day at a time. Uh, clear directions on how to do it. Um, thanks so much for everybody being, being here, and I'm going to be quiet and move on. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Janice C. Crystal P., you're going to be our last person to share today. It's your turn. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P., Recovering uh, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I'm so grateful to read this. It was, it was such a, it just drew me back to my, to when I, before I joined program, it was just, I was such a good subject of king food. You know, um, for me, there were no promises. I didn't, I didn't wake up every morning saying, oh, today is going to be the day and, um, you know, I'm not going to pick up the food today. I knew every single day that, I was going to I was going to eat. I didn't care anymore to make promises or even try and fool myself. And to me, um, you know what that what that reminds me of is kind of this is how I felt. It's like those horrible, horrible stories you hear on the news of you know those women who have been like locked in a dungeon in, in the basement. That's how I felt. It was like I was stuck there, and I there was no way out. And I did whatever I was the food told me to do. There was no. There was no other option. And the only way I could survive there was to convince myself that I was happy there, that it was okay. I was, my life was just fine. If I could just lose a couple of pounds, everything would be perfect because I could not bear to see what I had actually done to my life. And today, this morning, I'm remembering that in program, it, it's like as if one day, you know, this, this person who had me locked up just happened to be away and the, you know, the door just happened to be unlocked and I just happened to get out of there just seconds before before they caught me, you know, and like I every day I remember like what a miracle that is. What a miracle that I'm sitting at home day after day for the last four weeks and I've not picked up anything other than my, just eating my regular optimum meals and I'm happy. I'm happy. I've never felt happy like this before and I'm so grateful because it's, I can't believe that all I had to do was just work these simple steps and God removed this from me after all the schemes that I've tried that just seemed so complicated and just didn't work. 
that this actually worked for me. Thank you. Thank you, God. And thank you for uh, this program and for all of you guys on the line. Uh, thanks for letting me share it, Pat. Thank you very much. And now, Chris, um, that was Crystal P. And now um, we're going to have to close. Um, let's see. Um, and and uh, please stay with us. Immediately following the closing, there will be a second hour of unrecorded uh, meeting, um, and that will be after Jason K welcomes newcomers. Lisa Lisa B will be doing our second meeting. The share ID for today, which is Friday, April seventeenth, is fourteen thousand four hundred and sixty. One four four six zero. We're going. We're going to ask right now. Um, let's see. It's Judy K. Is ready to read a selection from A Vision for You, the chapter. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. Thank you, Penny. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>